The following podcast is a W2M Network original production. Visit W2Mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment. Good evening, everybody, and welcome as the Wrestling to the Max Network presents the kickoff. Episode 9, my name is Harry Broadhurst, I am back in the saddle tonight, and ironically enough, the guy who filled in for me as the host last week, Stephen Er the Third, isn't here. Fantastic. <laughs> and here I was going to pay him a compliment, how good I thought the show was last week, how I'm completely and utterly shocked you guys didn't fudge-sickle it all up. But instead, we're just going to go ahead and get into things here tonight. We are joined, as per usual, by my co-host, Brandon Biscobing. And not only that, he's going to miss uh, one of his segments, and probably the greatest of those segments we'll have all year. He'll just have to listen on the W2M <laughs> Network over at W2Mnet.com. As well as our traditional producer, but filling in as on-air talent tonight, Eric Watkins. You, you, you know, the fact that Steven's going to miss out a couple of these things, it's going to make up for a little bit of news that I got before we came on air. Just needless to say, I'm already coming in mad and sober, so be prepared in advance. He stands tall, he can stand, and he can't stand no more. Also, the man behind the ones and the twos on the evening will be Sean Garmer. We'll hear more from him a little bit later on, I promise you. <laughs> that That's my evil laugh for the evening. And gentlemen, it is time for studs and duds. All right, since he's not able to be here, let me go ahead and find Stevens for you guys. So, Brandon, while I find Stevens, go ahead and give me yours. Who's your stud for the week? My studs, I have two for the week. It is the quarterback-wide receiver combination over in in Oakland, Derek Carr and Amari Cooper. Derek Carr putting up 417 yards and three touchdowns. Amari Cooper, 210 yards, two touchdowns in a 31-30 win over the Chiefs, who we will I'll talk about a lot more later. In the show, but a great game for the offense of Oakland. Dun dun dun! We call that a teaser in the business, folks. <laughs> Eric, who you got? Who's your stud for the week? My stud in a rather somewhat surprising performance for a equally surprising team: Eddie Jackson of the Chicago Bears. I mean. It's big enough to where you have two defensive touchdowns in a single game. It's even bigger that the fact that each one of those went at least 75 yards. Combine that by the fact that you did that in the first quarter. I'm sorry, no one else is getting stud status for the week if you pull that off. And to beat the Panthers too? Eh, eh, That's a bit of a big deal. That was certainly a shocker this week. The final score of that game was 17-3 to Chicago, which means the actual final score of that game was Eddie Jackson 12, the rest of the Bears 5, and the Panthers 3. Yeah, so he pretty much outscored everybody else the entire game. That is stud. <laughs> it's hard to argue. 
Steven's pick for stud is the Los Angeles Chargers of Soccer Stadium County. I added the soccer stadium bit myself because it's frankly hilarious that they're playing in a soccer stadium as they have quietly won three in a row to start an 0-4 team and turn it into a 3-4 team and put them back into somewhat of the thick of things in a clustered AFC West. Yeah, the Broncos didn't make really things easier on themselves, although, hey, this is the Trevor Simeon that we all know and some of us want to tolerate. And needless to say, the Chiefs are uh, creating a little bit of a uh-oh in that division. Now things are starting to get quirky. I don't mind quirky. As long as Oakland still wins the division like I predicted, I'm okay with it. Although Oakland needs to, Oakland needs to lose this week. Go Bills. My stud for the, my stud for the week is the Penn State defense in after the second quarter of their game against Michigan. Mm. Final score of this game was 42 to 13. Michigan scored twice in the second quarter to cut a 14 nothing lead to 14-13. An extra point attempt was blocked. Michigan did not score again. And the Nittany Lions ran away with it on the ABC primetime game this past Saturday. We'll talk more about Penn State a little bit later on. But, man, that's an impressive performance by that defense, especially in the second half, shutting out Michigan 21 nothing. Way to pick a week to prove me wrong. Oh, yeah. <laughs> also, before we go any further with this, Brandon, I know you've been asking me to put together the RU series. Due to the illness last week, I wasn't able to do so. Hopefully, I will have it for you guys next week. Just as a heads up. All right, Brandon, you're up. Dud time. My dud for this week is the yeah. USC defense. Allowing 49 points to Notre Dame. Absolutely despicable. I mean, that... We talked about our big ultimate chaos scenario when it comes to the college football playoff. Yeah, Notre Dame, just when I didn't think that they could realistically make that happen, now I'm scared. Very, very (laughs) scared. Well, and not to mention the fact that USC went from, you know, one of the top teams in the country. What a fall from grace they've had this year. Yeah, we'll talk a little bit more about that in uh, By Yourself because I specifically have something to say about the USC performance against Notre Dame in there. We'll get to that in a bit. Anywho, Eric, who's your dud for the week? My dud for the week not only has a habit of stinking it up here, but now has really stunk it up on two different continents. Drew Stanton. Now, to be fair, the Rams are shown that they're a good team. However, defensively this season, they have had some issues. So you expect to score some points. Even if you're a backup quarterback, it's harder to do, but you're still expected to score points. You complete just over a third of your passes for 66 yards and an interception, and you you help lead a basically your offense being shut out. 
I have some serious problems with that. Very serious problems. Sorry, Drew. Look, if you were still on the Detroit Lions, you would not be a dud. This would be expected. But you're on a better team than that. So, no, this don't cut it. Well, technically, if he were on the Detroit Lions, he'd be sitting on the bench behind Matthew Stafford. Very true. Very true. Wait, hold on. How are we not making Bruce Arians the dud? Because he said Drew Stanton's his starting quarterback for the rest of the season. That's the biggest <laughs> dud this entire freaking year. Drew Stanton sucks out loud. If there's a guy that you can put your flag in the ground and say, this guy sucks, it's Drew Stanton. <laughs> Bruce well, Arians, are you that stupid? Well, there's a few of them. There's Drew Stanton. There's Brandon Whedon. I can think of a couple other signees. You have Blaine Gabbert behind him, and you're going to start Drew Stanton? Come on. (laughs) Come on now. You don't go Uh from your two to your three. Oh, God. No wonder you coach old guys, because you're coaching (laughs) like you're way too old to be doing this anymore. There are a bunch of duds this week, including a certain football team in Boca Raton, Florida. Oh, this is still UNT. You act like there's some superpower or something. Come on. Well, I mean, yeah, it's not like they got Lane Kiffin that just went over there and got to recruit guys. Okay, stay. stay they play in freaking Denton, Texas. I'd rather be living in Boca Raton if I was one of those players. Come on now. <laughs> Have you been to Boca t- Raton? I'm just saying. I, I I'm under the age requirement for Boca Raton. Sorry. Okay. Would... The views and opinions of Harry Broadhurst do not necessarily reflect those of the kickoff, nor its partner, <laughs> the Wrestling to the Max Network. Anywho, Stephen Stephen's dud is Cam Newton, based on five interceptions in the last two games, as well as like. Like Eric talked about a little bit earlier, the two pick sixes by Eddie Jackson. I think one was a pick six and the other was a fumble return. Oh yeah, you're right. I'm sorry, but one of the interceptions being a pick six as well. So yeah, that ouch, just mm-hmm. ouch. So you know how Eric usually tends to go homer for his stud. I mean, like, two of the six weeks that we've been doing, seven weeks we've been doing the actual reviews of the shows here, he's picked a Miami Hurricane. Warranted. Warranted, (laughs) mind you. (laughs) The one was a super lucky catch. The running back one I'll give you, but the receiver made a lucky catch. Hey, lucky catch, lucky kick. Sometimes things happen with the Hurricanes. We're undefeated (laughs) in top ten, so that's what matters. Thank you very much. We yeah, got to represent the state of Florida right now because, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, <laughs> well, yeah, my Gators are three and three and the Seminoles are three and three, too. So, I mean, there ain't a whole lot going on in that state elsewise, although Florida Atlantic is undefeated. We'll talk more about them later. Anywho. <laughs> Wait, hold um, on. We're, we're not even going to count South Florida here. They're actually yeah, really undefeated. Come on. <laughs> Not like Florida um, Atlantic just lost a bunch of other teams, and then you're saying they're undefeated. They're undefeated in their conference. That counts for something. A conference is a piece USF of crap. USF is actually yeah. undefeated. <laughs> I'm just and saying, I actually picked USF to lose. Or no, I didn't pick USF to lose last week. I picked uh, 
Who was it that I had losing last week? The team that just beat had, Navy. Had UCF. Memphis. Or UCF, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I had Navy yeah, beating UCF. Yeah, see, even UCF is undefeated, and you're going to talk about Florida Atlantic. Give me a break. <laughs> Go back to mute, Germer. <laughs> we'll talk to you later. Uh. <laughs> My dud for this week is going to be something of a homer pick as well as I'm going to stay inside of the AFC Eastern Conference division. And I'm going to say the New York Football Jets. Yeah, that's a very fair. 28. But, 28 I mean, they're duds pretty much all the time anyway, so. Yes, but this is a Jets team that actually showed signs of promise. They probably should have hung a lot closer with New England than that final score indicated due to the bogus call. I heard your guys' discussion about that. I don't want to get into this again, but those referees screwed the Jets against the Patriots. Yeah. And then you have a 28-14 to lead on the 3-2 and Miami Dolphins with an injured Jay Cutler. Okay, granted, there are those that would make the argument that Jay Cutler out of the game is good for the Dolphins. I digress. <laughs> You're not getting any argument from me in that record. Woohoo! Nope. <laughs> Final score Miami 31, the Jets 28. Way to Jets it up, New York. Bravo. <laughs> oh, thank you, Matt Moore, for coming in and showing us how quarterbacks should play on a consistent basis. I, I, I gotta make fun of myself, though, right now. The only thing that Jets fans have going for them right now is at least they're not the Giants. <laughs> See, I think I would rather be one and six than be three and four than be three and four the way they are. Oh. True, because at least you get a top draft pick going into next year exactly this was a jets team that was expected to suck didn't suck and now the real jets are standing up slim shady style <laughs> unbelievable uh real quick let's talk about your football jaguars eric what the hell is crawled into this team we don't. It, I, I said this before. I even said it over on another W2M Network show. Football to the max. Whenever this team does not play at Everbank Field, we tear it up. That's why I knew when this game going into the bye was in Indianapolis. I'm thinking, okay, the Colts are going to have a miserable day. We just hate Everbank for some reason. Anywhere on the planet we play, we can win, except for Everbank. Just well, there are, there are also certain teams in every league that always seem to start off strong and their fans get all gung-ho about this is their year and then they become what everyone expects them to be. So basically what you're saying is they are who we thought they were? Exactly. Pretty yeah. much. I've heard that's... I've heard that somewhere before. Yeah, it, it, it sounds pretty familiar. <laughs> if, if it's any consolation, Eric, you guys are back at home against Cincinnati next week, so you'll fall to four and four. With oh, that okay. being said, and humiliatingly, yes. Hey, that defense actually, is legit. It's more about Blake Bortles getting 300 yards. I don't know about that next week. Actually, Again, both, both he, of your teams are like that, uh, Harry. He, yeah, but Sean... It doesn't matter. He hasn't thrown for 300 yards a lot this season, and they still went away from home. Then watch will come back, 
refresh off a bye after everybody here hung over from Florida, Georgia. Jaguars are going to come in, and the Bengals are probably going to beat us 24-6. to That's going to uh, happen. <laughs> speak, speaking as a fan of a team that suffered an embarrassing loss to the Bengals already this season, entirely likely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Screw Cincinnati. Anywho, with that being said, let's move on to So That Happened. Um, so, apparently, not only can Martavis Bryant fail drug tests, he hasn't learned to keep his mouth shut either. Uh, you know, if you... How can I best say this? If you want a trade... You sit down and you have a very lengthy conversation with your agent, and then you let that agent do the dirty work behind the scenes. You don't have to get on Facebook. You don't have to put it in the media. You don't have to get it on Twitter. Nothing. All of this could be handled very quietly, very discreetly, and in some situations, very quickly. But yeah, exactly. No. Oh. Honestly, putting something like that out in the open makes the owner of your team or the general manager less likely to trade you just on a matter of principle, basically saying, oh, you're going to talk crap about us? Well, screw you. We're going to now hold you just because we can. And just because we have the wide receiver weapons that we don't need you anyway. Exactly. Yeah. So there were, the <laughs> argument could the argument could be made that Martavis would be a star receiver on any other team in the league. In Pittsburgh right now, he's probably third in that in that rotation, in that starting lineup there, behind Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell. <laughs> and now with the emergence of Juju Smith Schuster, you could make the argument that he's fourth. Well, let's not also forget the tight ends, too. Vance Ander- uh, Vance McDonald that they got from San Francisco and the road dog, Jesse James. Oh, wait, different road dog. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, my world's of football and wrestling mixed for a second there. But Jesse James, the man who was the heir apparent to Heath Miller. So this, he's honestly, he's lucky the fact that he's even on the scout team where – a lot of GMs and coaches in front offices would have just said, fine, you don't want to be here, bye. Bye. Yeah, but at the same time, Eric, I think that rewards him for his childish behavior because then another team can sign him like that. Yeah, yeah and, the, and true. I think the other thing, like I said, is, you know. Go ahead, Bisco. Like I said before, I think the fact that he went public with it makes it more of a matter of principle for the Steelers now to say, we're going to just, we can just bench you. We don't care. You know, you're not as uh, irreplaceable and as vital to this team as you think you are. So we had a Super Bowl rematch on Sunday Night Football and... Meet the Falcons, greet the Falcons, step right up and beat the Falcons. It's exactly what the <laughs> Patriots did again. That... Patent, pending, patent pending New York Mets organization. 
See, it's just, Sean, you can't get me for that one for saying anything this time. So don't I don't want to hear it. <laughs> but I, I did that one seventeen nothing at the half, and then at the second half I had other things to do. But I mean, how do you have such a big lead and won a game and then you see that same team for another game and a half, and you barely score again. That how does that? How do you even? How does that work? That no, that shouldn't happen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I didn't really watch much at all of this game for uh, reasons related to the other side of our uh, network, but uh, the. The fact that this game was not like the Super Bowl where the Falcons had a lead and the Patriots had to come back. Instead, the Patriots just completely dominated and that, and the and the uh, Falcons did not get a lead at, at any point in the game. Um, just shows that the Falcons, like we were talking about, I mean, the, the come from behind losses, you know, that's one thing that you definitely have to improve upon. But, you know. They really need to get their act together if they want to make another run this year. Well, I think the psych—I think the choke the previous week against the Dolphins was caught in their psyche going into this Patriots oh, yeah. game. Oh, absolutely! Oh, absolutely was absolutely. All these Falcons fans that I saw talking smack going into this game, saying this is our chance at revenge. We'll see what happens when Atlanta gets a lead this time if the Patriots can come back. Uh, Falcons fans, <laughs> in order to do that, you'd actually have to get a lead. Uh, yeah, you have to actually, you know, score points like you did at first, which, funny, I don't think you did for a long stretch of time. I wonder why. Their, their only score was a garbage touchdown late in the game. I think it was mm. in the fourth quarter when it was. It was in the fourth quarter. to get that. We move on to the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. Oh, crap. <laughs> I say this as a Florida fan. We're getting bitch smacked this week. <laughs> hey, hey, at least Florida yeah. come in thinking that, hey, we can play spoiler. Well, that's about all we're playing right now because one thing we're not playing at the current moment is bowl eligible. No. Boy, am I glad I got a lot of red and black in my wardrobe for when I'm out and about on Saturday. Now, remember... <laughs> Remember to all of you fans, they've already advertised RV City's open. Get to the game five hours before kickoff and don't be stupid and drink underage. Come on, we're, we're better than that here. And cops are out to make their money. But I digress. <laughs> um, these Florida Gators have been enough to drive you to drinking this season. <laughs> I say this as somebody who doesn't drink at all. Not this, my thing. And this is why some of the best bars in Jacksonville are right downtown. But just not only just a couple of miles, just a few minutes walk right from the stadium. So you can, yeah, team trailing 30 to nothing in the third quarter, fill the streets with orange and blue and get plastered. 
<laughs> my official goal for this game, and I'm going to state it right now, is to hopefully lose by less than three scores. If we can do that against the number three ranked team in the country, given the current lack of talent that the Florida offense is experiencing right now, I will be okay with this. I'm realistic here. I don't think we have a snowball's chance in hell of winning this game. See, I would that realism that I admire. I would love to be able to say that, oh, we're totally going to kill them. No, this is not a Florida team that is capable of beating this Kirby Smart-led Georgia team. In uh, all these local sports media, I get to have them shut up about the Gators for an entire year. Oh, the sweet, blissful sounds of silence. It'll be gratifying. <laughs> I hope Virginia hey, hey, you must you, you must be really loving it because they're talking about Miami Hurricanes football above anything else because they're the only team that's relevant in Florida right now. Yes. Don't get yes. Sean back on here yelling. <laughs> South Florida, Central Florida, yada, yada, yada. By the way, by the way, Eric, don't I count. Remember, this is college football where mid-majors do not matter. See, he's got a point there, Harry. <laughs> it is also at this point, Eric, that I say that I hope Virginia Tech beats the hell out of your Hurricanes later in the year. <laughs> Look, I got enough of a scary proposition with Notre Dame coming up, okay? I ain't even worried about Virginia Tech yet. That's one more bridge to cross. <laughs> Hold on. Now I'm curious as to check the Miami Hurricane schedule, so if you guys can bear with me for a second, go ahead and speak. Yeah, remember that whole chaotic scenario, Alabama, Georgia, Notre Dame, and insert Big Ten champion here for the four-team playoff? Yeah, after what happened against USC, that's looking more and more legit, which makes me more and more nervous and more and more angry. Well, Eric, well, you do have I, Eric. You do have good news. Yeah, you have North, North you have, this week. Mm-hmm. Well, you have three straight difficult games coming up towards the end of the season, but all three of them are at home. Oh, yeah. Hey, I'm, I'm hey, going to go down and do a rain dance. I need to make hey, that Eric. as terrible and shoot up as possible. Hey, Eric. At least you. At least you uh, have some good news in the fact that while, yes, you still have a very tough schedule ahead of you, you do have your own fate in your own hands, I would hope. Well, yeah. given the fact that they're the only team in the ACC without a loss right now, that would be accurate. Yeah, it, 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 we, we're controlling a lot of our destiny at the very least in getting to Charlotte, so I'm not terribly worried in that regard. But, oh, this is going to be potentially a painful few weeks. It is a Virginia Tech, Notre Dame, and the 5-1 and one Virginia Cavaliers back-to-back-to-back. Okay, Virginia Tech, I'm quasi-worried about. Notre Dame, I'm scared of. Virginia, oh, that could that's where things could really go wrong. That's where it could go wrong right there. I'm pretty sure There's a very just got whacked by Boston College, so I don't know how scared yeah, they got to be. And they're not 5-1 and one anymore because of that. So, well, well, but, but the thing is, the I had it still better than half-decent, and we're playing them after Virginia Tech and Notre Dame. We're going to be emotionally I, drained at that point. No, you're not, not gonna, to mention— you should, You're going to be emotionally— 
pissed off because if you lose to well, one of those teams, which is very likely. Well, let's not also forget, too, this is a Virginia team that went into Boise State and dominated the Broncos. That's a the Boise only St- team that's worth noting that they beat. Okay, and Boise State is not the Boise State of old. Granted, yeah. but this is a Boise State team that completely dominated San, San Diego State. Yeah, and what did San Diego State do last week? Yeah, well, <laughs> recoil from the Boise State loss. Uh, I'm just saying, I think we over. I ended up uh, believing too much of the high from Virginia and trying getting them ranked when we shouldn't have. But you know, it's uh, it's one of those things that happens in college football. I'm just, I'm just saying, Miami's got to worry about these two games right here. Before you go about Virginia. I still think that they're going to have their sights set forward towards a possible ACC championship game. And they may overlook the Cavaliers. I'm just saying, Sean, it could happen. I could agree with Harry. That's why I say, especially if we beat Virginia Tech and Notre Dame on the infinitesimal chance that happens again, we would be so, we'd be worn out. We would be spent wondering where the hell our cigarettes are. Um, it, it's Miami. Those aren't cigarettes, Eric. <laughs> yeah, different, different scenario. One's beforehand, <laughs> the other is afterwards, okay? <laughs> All right, so we kind of ran a little long with our studs and duds segment, so we're going to cut So That Happened here at 3. Uh, are you guys ready to get into our buy or sell discussion for the week? Yep. Yes. All right, do me a favor, Eric. Call it in the air. Heads. Tails. Brandon, you want to go first or second? I'll go first. College or the NFL? Or college? No, wait. Two uh, NFL, sorry. Two, two NFLs, one college. My mistake. Uh, let's do the college one first, then. Okay. By yourself, Penn State is legitimately the number two team in the country right now and probably the only real threat to Alabama. I'm, as of right now, I'm going to buy this. I still think uh, Miami could potentially make a run, depending upon what they do at the end of the season. Um, But, yeah, I think for the most part, they are, I think they're, are they the only, well, there's what, one other uh, undefeated team right now in the Power Five? Uh, There's five right now, currently. Um. The five Power Five teams that are undefeated are Alabama, Penn State, Georgia, Wisconsin, Miami, of Florida. Oh, oh TC right. six TCU's unbeaten as well. Yes. Then the other two I, are I, the other two are Central Florida and South Florida, but no one cares about them. Well, I yeah, I'm not counting them. Um, <laughs> the because they're playing a glorified exhibition season. We've I've already talked about this, um, but yes. I think Penn State is the legitimate number two team. Um, it's going to be interesting. Um, I don't believe they play in the regular season, but they they I have a feeling they will play each other in the Big Ten championship game, which I think will determine who gets into the playoffs for the Big Ten between Penn State and Wisconsin. Um, but yeah, as of right now, I think Penn State is is a legitimate contender, a legitimate number two, and and could potentially give Alabama a, a run for its money. Eric, buy or sell? 
I'm definitely buying this because I have been watching college football for a very long time. And what I'm seeing in front of me, without a doubt, is the greatest Penn State team I have ever seen. Wow. Wow. And at least in all the time I've been watching college football, and this is going back to right around 2000. So, you know, that's saying something. Yeah. Now, is this one of the greatest Penn State teams ever? No, with an asterisk. I'm not even going to invoke the 79 Sugar Bowl or anything like that because that would be way down the road. But could that matchup happen? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, this team, they've got everything together. They kept a lot of key starters from last year's team. They've gotten even better. We're clearly rolling through at the just about the right time at the peak of their Big Ten schedule. They would have a very tough test with Wisconsin in Indianapolis, but if they can get through that, which they may be able to do somewhat comfortably, if I'm the Crimson Tide and Nick Saban, I'm thinking a little bit. Well, and we also saw a cut from the first year of the playoffs that the Big Ten champion, you know, even if they are a little underrated at times, they can be a legitimate threat. Absolutely. Well, tell that to Penn State last year when they won the Big Ten and didn't even get into the playoff. Well, yeah, but that's another to- topic for another day. That's where the chaos can come in. You, 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 you know my opinion on that already. Yeah, I've stated mine as well, and it's a little bit skewered by the fact that I am a Penn State fan. They are my second favorite college football team behind oh, the I, games. I like Penn State as well. Well, hey, be comforted in the fact that Penn State right now is sitting at third best with 8-1 to one odds to win the title. Although somehow Ohio State is second at 4-1. to one. Well, well, one of those... The bigger, the bigger shock... The bigger shock is if you look at the uh, line for that game, Ohio State is considered the favorite for this week. To be Uh, fair, that that game is in the horseshoe. How many is Ohio State favored by? I think three. Home is worth three and a half. Yeah, so they're essentially saying on a neutral field, that's a pick So that makes sense. Well, this is and this is an Ohio State team out for revenge after Penn State beat them in Happy Valley last year. Yeah. All right. Mm. We move on, Eric. Uh, college or the NFL? I'll uh, we'll take uh, the NFL. Buy or sell? Cleveland's Hugh Jackson is on the hottest seat when it comes to NFL coaches right now. Oh. As much as I say that he should be, I think with the way Cleveland is, for the time being, I have to sell barely. Now, granted, when you're in a position to where you have won one football game in 18 months as a head coach, in just about any other organization, your seat would be on fire. And it would be not just any regular on fire. We're talking Iron Throne on fire as well. Add a little extra depth of pain. But 
with this Browns organization, I still don't trust them. I think for some reason they're not exercising a whole lot of common sense. And it wouldn't surprise me if even if they decide to run the table backwards and go 0-16, that they don't keep Hugh Jackson for another year. So I, if this were any other team, again, with this question, I would buy, but no, sell. Yeah, I'm going to slightly sell this as well. Um, Like Eric said, it is Cleveland, so you've got a lot more leeway there. Um, And there are some other teams, albeit, you know, have outside issues other than head coaching problems of their own, like the Giants um, and the 49ers. But I... I don't really know who has the hottest seat right now in the NFL because, you know, for um, for Ben McAdoo, you could make the excuse of the injuries. Um, for the 49ers, they have other problems as well. So I can't really distinctly say if one coach is on the hottest seat right now, but there are definitely a few that should be up there, but also have mitigating factors that may save their jobs. Uh, Of the the Ofer teams, though, the Browns are the only one where their coach is, should be on the seat because he's making just complete mental errors. I mean, that's true. Okay. Kyle Shanahan made the right decision. Brian Hoyer, wasn't getting it done. You put in the, the guy you have. Bethard's kind of been okay. They ran into a well-rested buzzsaw that was Zeke Elliott last week. That was the only game that wasn't close for them this season. And then, you know, the Giants are, are what they are. They, they got yeah. all the injuries and everything else. The, you cannot continue to play ring around the rosy with your quarterbacks, and you're supposed to be a quarterback whisperer, and every week it's something different. Like, at some point, when is this on the coach? Well, uh, but I could flip that and say, when at this point is it on just the organization and the fact that no matter what they do, because they are so short-sighted, the Browns just cannot get their act together. Yeah, but if someone's going to fall on the sword here, it's going to be huge Justin because they're not going to get rid of of the... They're not getting rid of Sashi and and all the 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 the, the baseball analytics type money stuff. ball. Yeah, the money ball crap right now. They they committed to it. This is what they're doing. So True. until they figure out that in football this doesn't work, okay? It's work working in baseball. We still got to see if the Astros can come back or not. And you know the the basketball. This a long season. Some injuries happen. Philadelphia goes back to being just just what they were. So you know, in football, there's just too many of this. You can't look at stats and go, "We're going to build a team around that." It just, it doesn't work. You can build a team with picks, but unless you have the correct guy manning the team that makes the right decisions, it's not going to go right. And he's proven in almost two years now this isn't it. 
You rush to put Kaiser in. You take him out every game. Then you make him the starter again. Oh, take him out again. It's like you might as well just name Kessler from the beginning and see what happens because he's the only one you haven't tried yet. I, uh, I'm just – it's almost sickening right now with the Browns. Just uh, every week it's something else. And people- well, the big question is how long will – Will he last, even assuming that the Browns give him that leeway? Yeah, that's why I say he could probably get another season because you want to talk about coaches on the hot seat? Hugh Jackson, yes, he should be there. Any other organization, he would be there. Go across the state of Ohio to the Bengals and Marvin Lewis. I think personally he's been barely hanging on by a thread. Especially after the way the Bengals started this season, it's on almost on a, like a week to week gig. Now, granted, yeah. next week they go, they beat Jacksonville. Okay, that saves his job for a fortnight, but that's about it at the most. Uh, but he's, uh, honestly, he's been there too long for them to. They're going to give him the end of the season. He's been there so long; they'll at least give him that respect. Honestly, at this point especially considering the market and considering the demand, even with the mitigating factors, I think the the man that is on the hottest seat right now is Ben McAdoo. Because even with the injuries and even with the mitigating, mitigating circumstances and with the fact they, that they did beat Denver, if they keep on losing... The New York market and the New York fans are not going to be willing to sit on their hands. I think you could also make the argument that there's a pretty hot seat in Indianapolis right now with Chuck Pagano. Oh, yes. Because the fact that the, the fact that despite the amount of talent they're granted luck being injured, the Colts are two and five and in dead last in the AFC South. Not well, let, let's not act like that AFC South is just something to write home about, okay? I'm not I saying mean, it is. Uh, well, but that's that the actually, point. They're, well, they're, that in that, point. they're in that division until the end because the Titans are that bad. The Jaguars, you don't know what they are week to week. Uh, you know, Houston's the only thing you can you can buy. And, and if Houston runs away with it, then you could still make the case that what if Andrew Luck was healthy? You know, because we've seen Brissett win some games. It just... Yeah, but the, the whole reason why Andrew Luck isn't healthy is because look at what's happened with that offensive line. And this isn't just a one-two game thing. It's been a couple of years. And the, with the fact that we don't even know if we're going to see Andrew Luck this season. They, they keep uh, teasing him with saying, oh, timeline's good, timeline's this. The fact that he suffered a setback and the fact that, oh, by the way, he went an entire six months leading up to the start of the season without even throwing a football, it's a lost year. Pagano's got to take at least some of the blame for that because that's a problem that could have been fixed and this could have been prevented. I don't think you can can blame it on the coach for the, the player. This is never, it's a mental thing with him. Too, it's, you, the coach can say whatever he wants, but if Andrew Luck is not ready mentally, that's on Andrew Luck at that point. The, the well, thing, 
No, but I mean, like with now, yes, that's true. But again, not having him be in a place where he's constantly hurt to begin with, that part. No, but that's the point, though. They fired the GM who made those decisions because on draft day, it's more about the GM than it is the coach. The coach gets to make some decisions, but that's that's the GM. Uh, I just I, I I I wouldn't be surprised if Pagano gets fired, but I also wouldn't be surprised if he stays on one more year because of oh Andrew Luck's been hurt the whole year. What are we supposed to do? And then Malik Hooker gets goes your best defender goes out and tears ACL and MCL. I mean you know there's another excuse. So it's the year of the knee. It's it's the year of the knee injury in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Good Lord, with that. Hey, Sean, you want to stick around for this last question? Because it's not really a buy or sell per se, but it is one that should encourage a good bit of debate. Okay. Of the current eight division leaders, which of them do you think is the least likely to actually win their division? The current division leaders, per per the standings on the ESPN.com NFL page, are New England, Pittsburgh, Tennessee has the tiebreaker over Jacksonville, Kansas City, Philadelphia, Minnesota, New Orleans, and the Rams. (sighs) This is tough. I personally, and I think this is more the division than it is the team itself. I would have to go with Tennessee. And I'm not even... Wait, wait, Houston's leading that division. Uh, no, Tennessee's leading that division at 4-3. and three. Yeah, What's Tennessee's 4-3. Jacksonville's 4-3. Isn't Houston 3-3? Three and three? Houston is 3-3. Three and three. Oh, they have it. Yeah, they got the bye. What? Yeah, I, yeah. I... I can read ESPN, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't say and you're not that just felt weird to me it's because Houston didn't play last week but yeah it, not to mention that's even too if easy you, though come on that's too easy to go for Tennessee yeah but I'm, actually, I'm not saying that it's that particular team you even said it yourself it's that division I don't necessarily and I'm just like I was saying I'm not even handing it to Jacksonville either Who's probably going to do something miraculous and fin- even though they're going to finish one and seven at home officially? I personally, Houston, even with everything that's going on, they could still find a way to sneak right up, do a couple drop kicks on everybody, and finish out on top. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with a toss up between the AFC South and the NFC West. Because I still don't believe in L.A. I still think that they're going to, you know, start flopping a little bit. And you've, you still have Arizona. You still have Seattle in that division, which I think both the, Ari- both of those teams could make legitimate runs. No, no, Arizona ain't going anywhere. Arizona's done. No, yeah. No, oh, wait, never mind. When You're Carson right. Palmer, no. when Carson Palmer broke his arm, Arizona was it's done. It's a two-team race, basically, right now. Yeah. yeah. You're right. Seattle that. could certainly come and take. I'm going to go with the NFC South. 
I think that there are so many teams logjam there that despite how well the Saints have been playing, that division's a toss-up pretty much every single year. The, Carolina's the been only incons- thing... Carolina's been, incons- Carolina's been inconsistent but good when they've wanted to be. Atlanta, if they can get a lead this year, they've struggled to hold it, but that defense can stop people. New Orleans... When is the New Orleans Saints defensive old going to rear its ugly head? Because I don't know if I buy into this current day New Orleans defensive system. I don't know if I buy them as legit. I like Drew Brees. I like Mike Mark Ingram, excuse me. I like Michael Thomas. But I think that defense is going to hinge for their chances to win the NFC South, and I don't see it. I just think that the fact that you have a much more reliable offense in New Orleans than you do in Atlanta or Carolina, especially with what we saw last week. I just think that New Orleans, while obviously they they don't have this on lock or anything, it's still going to be a race. I just think there are way too many question marks for Atlanta and Carolina that I think as long as New Orleans continues to play the way they've been playing, they've got this they've got this division. Yeah, I, I think with New Orleans they're in a comfortable position right now, even with their issues on defense. When we brought up mental aspects earlier, it seems like New Orleans is in a much more stable place from a team identity, team aspect, team mentality. I mean, you've got Cam Newton walking out of press conferences. Atlanta, they're psychologically scarred, whether they admit want to admit it or not, because of these past two games. And I think Tampa Bay is to the point to where they're just completely adrift, and they don't know what's what right now. So you go when you go into the second half of the season, you want to look for stable teams who can at least overcome their issues. And I think New Orleans can easily overcome issues that they have. It's not going to be a glamorous division championship, but it's going to be a division championship. Yeah, Anybody? I guess uh, Cam didn't like getting asked about routes. You know, so I I just, uh, no, I think certainly the NFC South, that's the Saints to lose for me right now. You got Tampa Bay, Winston's got too many issues going on. You got the Panthers with Cam Newton, and they can't run the ball, which is a problem, because if they can't run the ball, then everything's on Cam, and and we already know how that goes. When you put too much pressure on him, he he caves. Uh, I that that defense can only hold up so much. And then you've got the Falcons, which are just in Super Bowl hangover mode. And they can't seem to figure it out. And it's so apparent how lucky some of these wins have been for them that if this is going to how, how their season is going to be, it's like you really can't count on them. So it, the Saints are just that, uh, th- that team right now. But yeah, I, I that's... For me, it's the, those those divisions you guys already talked about. Because, you know, the Rams have looked good, but the Rams have also, in, other, in games other than the Cardinals game, they could have lost the Cowboys game. They could have lost the 49ers game. The, uh, their defense has been superb, but they've also, when time counts, they've allowed a lot of points. 
to teams that can actually, you know, have a quarterback. So that's how many of those are you going to be able to win? At some point, that stuff starts uh, starts working itself out. And you've got the veteran Seahawks that no matter how bad that offensive line is, Russell Wilson can figure it out, and then he gets your wins. And I almost – I got to go back to Seattle and say that they can easily take this division. Well, let's also real quick here because we do have to move on. we got a couple other segments to get to still. Let's also real quick here point out the fact that the starting battery, the starting quarterback and running back for the Los Angeles Rams has a combined four years of NFL experience in Jarrett Goff and Todd Gurley. So we don't know how they're going to react once they get put in that pressure pack situation either of being in the thick of things for a division race coming towards the end of a season. Well, I mean, to be fair, you could say the same thing for the Cowboys a couple of years ago. I will also say be careful because uh, the Chiefs lose another game. They're making that AFC West very, very interesting. And, you know, it's uh, go ahead. It's it's funny that you mentioned Kansas City because I'm really surprised nobody's talked about the fact that they've been kind of spiraling these last two weeks. I Well, I was going to in another segment. Well, Brandon, then I guess it's time to go there now because we're about to get it together. I'll start it off then. I was going to say the Chiefs, after losing two straight games, you got to get it together. (laughs) You got to get it together. Like Harry and Sean and and Eric have all been saying, the NFC or the AFC West, excuse me, it's not a foregone conclusion. This, This team was. 4-0 4-0 and to start off the season looked like they were on track to run away with this and everyone was so high on them even after week one when they beat the Patriots maybe a little premature but they seem to be proving themselves for the last four weeks or the, the first four weeks excuse me and now the last two weeks they're kind of showing people the naysayers hey maybe this team was isn't as good as everyone thought uh, the NFC or the AFC West is still up for grabs, definitely. So, Chiefs, if you want to stay as a contender moving into crunch time, into the home stretch of the season, you got to get it together and get it together now. Eric, get it together. I, I teased about this in our last segment. For a man who can dress at times very enviously, impeccably, Cam Newton, not just get it together, flat out stop it. Okay, this whole, the whole thing with the routes, that situation, yeah, that's a completely different animal. But this whole thing, now you're just sick and over press conferences and next question and walking off and having your issues of dealing with the media. Stop it. It's getting old. It's getting very tiring. You apparently can no longer handle being the franchise player. Yes. You lost the Super Bowl a couple years ago. Boo hoo. You get your ass back in there and you work harder so you can come out dominate and actually win one before your career's over cam newton for your own sake can we get it together (laughs) can can we just put it out there that with 
the exception of, I guess, Russell Wilson, and even then he's slacked over the last couple of years, that the experiment of the college football, the college football quarterback in the NFL has officially ended and died. Wait, 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 hold on, what? He I mean, means, are, are we watching Carson Wentz right now? Because he's lighting he means, the hole. I, I think but, he means no. the running quarterback. And I don't yeah. think that's true yeah. when you got Deshaun Watson and Dak Prescott going out there and but, doing what they do uh, right now. But again, okay, let me rephrase that. Beyond the first two or three years. I yeah, still I question- don't think that that's true because Russell Wilson has been consistent every year. Well, but but he's still, Cam Newton just has a mental problem. Cam Newton is a baby. That's what his problem is. Okay? We can't compare but, I mean, look Newton at how Russell Wilson... Look, look at what R- Russell Wilson has done in the NFL. While, yes, he still runs every now and again, he has changed his style to become more of a typical NFL quarterback. He has to run every single play because his offensive line sucks well, balls. Yeah. I mean, come on. I, I'm just trying to say we can't compare what Cam Newton decides to do every week. And let's not – Cam Newton's a, a damn good player when he wants to be and when he gets his head out of his ass. But the way he acts when he loses – is is a guy that's not mature enough to be your franchise player. We need to be questioning Cam Newton, not the rest of the running quarterbacks that come out here, because let's be honest, I mean, Carson Wentz goes and runs. Alex Smith freaking goes and runs. I mean, so, you know, when when Andrew Luck is healthy, he runs. I, I just think it's, it, it's, uh, it's a misnomer to label one guy for a whole set of different guys the way that they play football. But, but and well, the thing is, and I guess the experiment isn't quite over. I just think you're getting this different class of college quarterback that's making the transition easier. You talk about Russell Wilson. Well, Seattle is bringing this brought in a read option offense. So it's similar to what you see from time to time in college and it's working. You mentioned Carson Wentz. Well, he's brought in some plays that he ran at North Dakota State. They seem to be working perfectly. And you've even seen bigger schools like Clemson, even with Deshaun Watson. They're not making their guys run first, but you're being a better NFL adaptable dual threat. So, no, I don't think necessarily it's over, but I think that we're seeing a little bit of an evolution to this kind of offense and this kind of quarterback. Yeah, that is very true. We can talk more about rushing quarterbacks versus pocket quarterbacks another day. We do have a couple other things still to get to on the show, and I still have to tell somebody to get it together. Hey, Harry, get it together. Okay, that didn't work. That sounded weird. Anyway, <laughs> somebody had to cue me. All right, um, I'm going to quote Chris Berman as best as I possibly can here. Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. 
<laughs> we are four and two, and in the very thick of things, in a tightly contested AFC East. Aren't the Dolphins we, also four and two? Yes, yeah. hence. Okay, hence so tight. what's the big deal with being four and two? Let me finish. <laughs> and quiet, quiet, three and three. Anyway, and <laughs> hey, we were on a bye, so. So were we. Anyway, moving on. He, he loves to smack talk me, yet his team's not as good as mine this year. Anyway. <laughs> hey, I'm just saying. That's Mr. probably Homer the first time here, in years that you've been able to That's all he say. has to ever talk about is his homerism <laughs> with the Bills here. Well, no, there's a specific reason I'm going to talk to my team to get uh-huh. it together here. Because we are playing the 3-4 and four Oakland Raiders who are coming off of an incredible, last-second, ridiculous victory over the Kansas City Chiefs on Thursday Night Football last week. I think we can all agree that the way that that game went on Thursday night was ridiculous with four different last plays of the game. Indubitably. Mm-hmm. I was like, hey, they won. Wait a minute. Nope. Hey, they won. All right. Nope. <laughs> that being said... If you're four and two, and in the thick of things in a division race, a home game against a team that is under 500 is one that you have to win. We cannot afford to do what we did against Cincinnati and lay an egg against a Bengals team that frankly isn't going to do anything in the AFC North this year. For the love of God, Sean McDermott and the rest of the Bills coaching staff, have your players focused and ready, and don't circle the damn wagons. And watch Oakland wins. Just saying. <laughs> Frankly, it wouldn't surprise me. Just like I said, we should have beaten Cincinnati a couple of weeks ago when we lost a 21-16 decision to them. No, I just think that win is going to finally get the Raiders to get it together and be the team that people were saying they they should have been at the beginning of the season. Present I'm ho- included. I'm hoping it goes the opposite direction and they end up too caught up in the, how do I put this, the euphoria of the moment from last Thursday and they lay an egg in Buffalo. That's what I'm hoping for. <laughs> Plus, West Coast team starting at a 1 p.m. kickoff. Yeah, that's that's a difficult one. Eh. But eh. they did have an extended week. If, if we are going to be a threat in the AFC East, we have to win this game. So I'm going to say I this now. I think you have to win. If you win your divisional games, I think you're okay there. Look, I mean, I'm just going to say this now because I have to say this every year, and I want history to repeat itself. The Bills at this moment are a legitimate threat. Now, whenever I say that, they tend not to stay that way. So I'm just putting that in the universe. Okay, then allow then allow me to add this, you shut your filthy whore mouth. <laughs> the the Bills are another one of those teams that start off very well and everyone has such high hopes and they Oh, preaching to the choir, Brandon. I remember a five and two start a couple of years ago that ended seven and nine, believe me. Yep. <laughs> Speaking of teams playing like filthy whores, North <laughs> Texas. <laughs> God. <laughs> uh, let's all hop aboard the late train. Woo woo! Oh, dear God. Dude. Uh, Sean, how does your alma mater allow Florida Atlantic to hang a Ron Jeremy on him? It's a 69! <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> well, hey, you know, I think again, it's in it's in uh, Florida. So there's one, and also, you know, you had this is what uh, Florida Atlantic's supposed to do, right? Lane Kiffin's supposed to be this offensive genius. So, you know, it's Conference USA. This is I wouldn't be surprised if this is a repeat again, and maybe it's in Denton next time, and things are different. But um, I can 100% guarantee I can 100% guarantee it won't be in Denton, Texas. No, because oh, it's right. the best conference yeah. record that would host. It doesn't automatically or like switch or doesn't have mm. the Western team host like I think the Mac did for a little while. It would be it would be whichever team ends up with the better in conference record hosts the game. Well, let's see. There's still plenty and, of games to play. And the tiebreaker would be head to head. Well, let's see if Ford Atlanta keeps winning though. That's not a guarantee either. I just want to say that if you would have taken North Texas and somebody would have spotted you 35 points, you would have lost. (laughs) They lost. What can you say? Yeah, but you don't lose to Lane Kiffin his first year when you're leading your division. Come on now, Sean. Come on now. Nobody is expecting anything out of them or the rest of this freaking conference. So I I could do one even better. Hold on. I got one even better. You ready? If you would have doubled North Texas's score, they would have still <laughs> lost. <laughs> hey. Hey, I'm what? glad that we have a segment for a Florida Atlantic team that again is going to do nothing, so it's fine. <laughs> well, I mean uh, because if you think about it, just like the formula where you find the oldest person that you can date and have it not be weird. If you're looking at it in those kinds of terms, it still wouldn't work. Florida Atlantic, if that was a person <laughs> age, they would still be too old. <laughs> <laughs> Sean, and for the record, Sean, the reason we have this segment is to bring a little bit of levity to the program. I'm just saying, pick, and, better, and the, pick and, a, a team much more uh, equipped. Well, you, 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 but it you, wouldn't you, be it wouldn't be levity if it was a team in the thick of things. Hence the uh, levity. Uh, <laughs> Not to mention, Sean, if you want to blame somebody, blame Steven. It was yeah, exactly. Hey, it's it's fine. <laughs> I just think it's we're making too much of nothing here, but. <laughs> I will say this much. I would definitely think that I would definitely think that it's going to come down to Florida Atlantic and Marshall in the Conference yep. USA Eastern Division. And Marshall is looking really good again. Mm-hmm. It's probably going to come down to North Texas and Louisiana Tech in Conference USA West. Do we have the possibility of a rematch for the Conference USA Championship game? Yes, I think we do. Does it really matter in the grand scheme of things? Absolutely not. It would only hey, but matter. But if they get like, another like, shot at it, you never know. I'm just saying. If, that if North Texas is like the one that matters. Before, like I mentioned before, all all non-Power 5 conferences, all non-Power 5 schools are playing a glorified exhibition season. And, and, and this is why I, I would disagree in the American, it, but yeah. Yeah. And the, uh, the American. Well, no, I'm they're not. Like, if both USF and UCF both lose, then this matters because you never know. 
Florida Atlantic may vault up the rankings and they may get the group of five bid in a nope. bowl. No, they won't because UCF and USF would have one loss. Doesn't Florida Atlantic have like at least two already? Florida Atlantic is four and three. Yeah. So no. Not to mention the group the group of five bid go, is going to Notre Dame. No, oh, yeah, that's Notre true. Dame isn't considered a group of five. They're considered power five. They have their own independent little deal there. That kind of screws the hell out of BYU. Should they ever win more than one game, doesn't it? Yeah, well, that's why <laughs> BYU shouldn't have gone independent. <laughs> well, yeah. in fa- in fairness, independent Mountain West six of one half a dozen anyway. Yeah, everybody yeah, was just waiting for UMass to get a. Guys, I got a question for you. Are you serious? <laughs> Eric, college, start us. Now, as you do get to the southwestern part of the country, especially this time of year, as we've seen the past two nights in the World Series, it gets hot. Now, I say that because there is a team in the desert that's adding a little extra heat to things. Making the Pac-12 South a little quirky, thanks to a tiny quarterback that I'd never heard of that decides, hey, why am I here? I know why. It's to run for two or three hundred yards a night. (laughs) That tiny quarterback is Khalil Tate. That team in the Pac-12 South is Arizona. I say that because... I think Arizona is going to be Washington State. <laughs> well then, silence. Um, <laughs> I'll take silence as compared to laughter. Silence is at least a good sign. I will say this much: I think it'll depend on which Luke Falk and Washington State team shows up. If it's the Washington State team that showed up earlier in the year against Boise State when they got into a shootout and beat them, then I think Arizona's in trouble. If it's the Washington State team that showed up on a Friday night against California, well, all bets are off. I think ever since Khalil Tate's been coming in, breaking through that lineup and making too much noise, I don't know how Wazoo is going to contain him. Mike Leach has never been a 100% defensive-minded guy, to say the least. Brandon, college, are you serious? Did we lose Brandon? Uh-oh. Oh, dang. Yo, Bizco, where are you at? Yep, I'm here now. My... College. my- I'm going to stay in the Pac-12, and I will go Arizona State over USC. I talked about USC earlier, about how they allowed 49 points to Notre Dame. Arizona State is playing pretty well right now. I, I think they are able to continue USC's downhill spiral and beat them out in Arizona. Uh, funny story, guys. I'm actually in the Pac-12 as well. Oh, Jesus. 
I am picking Josh Rosen and the Bipolars, a.k.a. the UCLA Bruins, to take down Washington. This this is like a running theme. And and looking at some of these odds, part of me – wait, no, I'm not. I'm not sad at all. USC started the season at 8-1 to to win the title. They're now 200-1. to Now, now the question that I have, considering what we talked about uh, last week, if all three of the, well, USC's out of it anyway, but if both mm-hmm. of your predictions come true, does that completely put the Pac-12 out of the running for? Oh yeah, yes, they're, they're the whole Pac-12 except Stanford. No, Stanford's done. They have two losses already. Nah, not if they beat Notre Dame and run the rest of the table. It's right, Stanford is Stanford's a closer to one shot. So is Washington State. Washington's forty to one. I'm sorry, just between those and between with what this happened, yeah, Stanford even with the Notre Dame win, that would just break Notre Dame out, and you would well, restore a little bit more let's order. Let's see to if well, some of these other teams lose, though. I mean, well, it's not a guarantee teams- TCU goes undefeated. It's not a guarantee Miami does. Uh, one of Alabama or Georgia is going to have to lose one. So you Yeah, know. but in fairness, if that one loss is to the undefeated Alabama or Georgia, they're getting in. Not if one of them gets spanked. Uh, yeah, you guys kind of had this discussion when I wasn't here last week. I, that I don't eight, know. I, just, I, I don't think you can count them out. If Stanford loses again and the other two, Was- the two Washingtons lose again, yeah, we're, we're talking about. Might as well forget about the Pac-12 for the... Well, one of the things that you would need for the chaos scenario for the Pac-12 to stay in would be Notre Dame losing. Steven actually has that happening this week in South Bend to North Carolina State. Oh, what is he? He needs to get back on a better sleep. I, Something I is- honestly... I honestly was considering that one myself. Yeah, I don't... The fact that it's in South Bend... The fact that it's in South Bend kind of swayed me to say no. Yeah, and the fact that North Carolina State is going to South Bend for the first time ever. Ever. Yeah. Per the the Phil Still book, this will be the third overall meeting and the third different venue. First trip to South Bend. North Carolina State won the Gator Bowl in 2003. And last year in Raleigh held Notre Dame out of the end zone. If I'm not mistaken, wasn't that the the typhoon condition game? I believe I, it was. Yes. Winning that one 10 to three. Um, this is a very good North Carolina State team. They are six and one for a reason. That being said, they have more important things to look forward to, and I think they're going to overlook this game with Notre Dame, by which I mean they're they still have asp- overlook this game. They have aspirations to win the ACC, so they're going to be focused on the teams in the ACC that they still no, have to play. No, this is way too high profile, high profile yeah. for them to be overlooking. It, I, it, I don't. What well, well, they want? Remember, win they the- need nice wins to you know if they want to have a shot at anything either. Yeah. Once and you're six that- and one, you're thinking about. You know, playoffs too. So exactly, and I mean, if you think about it, if you're NC State, and I've mentioned this on the blurbs when we do our top twenty-five each week, available at w2mnet.com. Shill, 
not only do <laughs> they want to win the ACC, they get a big say. They get this win over Notre Dame, and they get a win, maybe in the ACC title game itself against Miami. They would have at the least fringe talk in a conversation for the playoff. I mean, well, I considering think, yeah. where Notre Dame is, if they beat Notre Dame, they're already in the top ten automatically, pretty much. Exactly. So, so well, <laughs> it, it's back-to-back for NC State, though. It's at Notre Dame, home for Clemson. So we'll see what they're made of over these next two weeks. Well, that, you got to beat the, the best teams to be able to prove that you deserve a shot in that playoff, right? So. The, yep. the rest the rest of the schedule for the Wolfpack is pretty simple. At Boston College, at Wake Forest, home for North Carolina. But that raises a big question, though. Do you think that they're going to be worried about Clemson going into the Notre Dame game? No. I think they'll be so focused on Notre Dame. Um, while, yes, Clemson is a conference game, you got to, you know, especially with how Notre Dame has been playing over these last couple of weeks and them – really getting tossed into the forefront of the conversation over these last two weeks, you you got to be going in there saying we want to shut their talk up. All right, guys, let's move it to the National Football League. Eric, are you serious? You know, out of all these games... There was one that I was thinking about, but that's going to be very worthy for me to sleep through. So there's no way that I can pick that one based on principle. Cleveland has no chance of beating Minnesota. Continue. Absolutely not. Again, that's why I'm sleeping through that game. I'm not getting up at 930 on a Sunday unless anybody (laughs) offers me mimosas and or screwdrivers and IHOP. If anybody's willing to do that, then the conversation changes. Hot take. Hot take. IHOP overrated. Uh, I like Waffle House better myself. But... Now, if we're going for the pancakes versus waffles, I give IHOP the advantage. However, Waffle House does have some excellent hash browns. Mm. Yes. Covered I, I, yes. That's the way to go. There's also Perkins, you know, Shoney's. Especially when you got Big Papa Pump there. <laughs> I, I had a very crazy uh, Waffle House story on the way back from a game at 2 o'clock in the morning a couple of years ago. Well, that's when the crazy Waffle House stories happen. But nevertheless, yes, exactly. <laughs> nevertheless, it's a game after that with a couple of teams that we talked about, especially in the buy or sell segment. I think with everything going on with a certain team that many, many moons ago did the Dirty Bird, I think that they are ripe to continue in a free fall. I don't see them having a fruitful trip to New Jersey. I have the Jets beating the Falcons. Wow. I actually, I mean, I'm sure the Falcons are favored in that game, but that wouldn't surprise me at all. Wouldn't surprise me, and yes, the Falcons are a five-point favorite over under 46-and-a-half. Okay, that's an under for sure. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I'm, I'm money for the week. <laughs> All right, Brandon, NFL time. Are you serious? 
my are you serious i still don't know how this is being considered an underdog except for maybe the fact that it's a home game for them and and to to be fair they have been very inconsistent lately but i am going to say cam newton gets his act together and goes into tampa bay and beats the buccaneers honestly i'd call that game more of a pick'em yeah, because, you know, the Buccaneers, while they haven't been playing terribly, they haven't exactly been playing great either. And to steal an old joke, where are my Buccaneers? Under my bucking hat. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> my Are You Serious for the NFL this week is actually a team we kind of discussed is hoping to have divisional aspirations. The Seattle Seahawks. They are at home this week and going to lose to Deshaun Watson and the Houston Texans. Wow. Okay. Oh. Okay. <laughs> okay. I, I was considering another game in the Deshaun, West. Deshaun's major college experience in big road games helps him handle the noise that the twelfth man can produce out in Seattle. I think Seattle I think Houston wins this game twenty seven twenty four. Wow. I was considering another NFC West game with LA losing. I forget who they're playing against this week, but uh give me thirty seconds and I'll have that answer for you. Stalling for time. We're stalling <laughs> for time. <laughs> Arizona Arizona's on a bye week this week, sir. Oh, you mean L.A.? The no, Chargers, L.A. I the Rams. LA. Uh, they're on a bye week, too, so try again. <laughs> oh, I thought, oh, I thought they were playing this week. I guess oh, not. Oh, it's the Chargers that are playing against New England. <laughs> I, I thought oh, I... Oh, I, I, I love that. Every fiber of my being wants that to happen. <laughs> no, no, that will not happen. It's it's not going to, but every fiber of my being wants it to. I'm See, sure you and the, Eric both. You're not the only one. Cause, oh my goodness. <laughs> uh, Sean, do you want to get in on the prediction special here? Mister Garmer. No, nah, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> All right, uh, Stevens upset picks real quick, so that way we don't forget him. I gave you the, oh, oh, sweet baby Jesus. Oh, get ready for the scream, guys, because here it comes. Stevens upset pick is the Chargers over New England. <laughs> <laughs> what? What's his college one? We already talked about it, NC State over Notre Dame. Oh, okay. That's funny that we were talking about that. Um, okay, I'm going to go ahead and be the one to say it here, even though he's not here to hear it. Hey, Steven, are you serious? Whoa, hold on. Why is that so far-fetched? The Chargers the play Chargers. good offense. Chargers. Did you watch Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram just absolutely lay it in on Have the Broncos? Have you seen the Patriots' <laughs> offensive line? I'm just saying... West Coast team, 1 p.m. kickoff. 
Oh, Lord. <laughs> we overblow this West Coast team 1 p.m. kickoff B- BS. No, we don't. Because I guarantee you, they they have stats to back this up. West Thank Coast you. teams in 1 p.m. Eastern starts do not do well. Well, Because we'll that's a 10 o'clock start. I'm just saying, Phillip Rivers throwing against that defense. I think the Falcons thing was just the Falcons are just Sarkeesian might be a problem with offensive coordinator. The Chargers have put up points. Uh, they continue to do it. They're gonna, I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to get a shootout. And that uh, D line for the Chargers is no joke. I have a very well, not really super bold, but I have a somewhat bold prediction as well. At least one team in the NFL this week hangs half a century. With some of these matchups, I can see that, especially with who the yeah. Niners are playing. Minnesota, well, Minnesota, Cleveland, New Orleans, Chicago, yeah. San Francisco, Philadelphia are the three games I'm looking at. Philly. Philly. Yeah, Philly. Yeah, Philly. And Minnesota, I would think. I'm, I'm fully expecting at least one team this week to hang half a century. I could see it. Yeah, yeah. I could see Philly doing it. Can you believe we're going to hit double digits next week, guys? Believe it. (laughs) Believe that indeed. Next week will be episode 10 of the kickoff. And then the following week will be our mid-season awards. We will go through and hand out all of the NFL postseason awards, but for the first half of the regular season. In addition, we will update our bold predictions from the start of the year. And give you whether we stand by them or not. That'll be in two weeks on the kickoff. I know can... that at, at, I know that a few of us will not be standing by at least one of those predictions. Yes, one of us may have picked the Colts to win the AFC South. That <laughs> might have been a mistake. Hey, I, I picked the Giants. I wasn't to go talking to about Bowl, that so one. I was awful. I, I was talking Giants about something that both Bowl. you. I was talking about something that both you and I picked, Harry. Uh, it was Eric. I picked Dallas. Oh, okay. Me and Eric then. <laughs> I'm just saying I picked Dallas to win the NFC East. What I had the job. What are you talking about? Then it was Steven. <laughs> yeah, it was Steven then. <laughs> what, what a homer! <laughs> Speaking of homers, these four homers will be back with you next week. And hopefully Steven will be back as well. So... For our executive producer on the evening, Sean Garmer, our producer turned co-host this week, Eric Watkins, my traditional co-host, Brandon Biscabing, and the absent, Stephen Er the Third. I'm Harry Broadhurst, thanking you for listening to The Kickoff here on the W2M Network. Have a good week, everybody. We'll talk to you next Wednesday night. The following podcast is a W2M Network original production. Visit W2Mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment.